Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. everyone and welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm Josh, joined by Ewan Patterson. How did that somehow he returned? Somehow he returned very apt because we're going to get into everything about Star Wars Jedi Survivor today. This is a full spoiler podcast. We're going to be talking story. We're going to be talking late game twists, late game levels. So Ewan, where have you fallen on this game in comparison to the first? So it's kind of amazing, right? Because when I reviewed Jedi Fallen Order back in 2019, uh, I gave it three out of five. Right. And this is because it was very, very buggy. And I thought the bugs kind of, the experience the game provided didn't really overcome the technical, myriad technical issues that it had at launch. However, and, you know, Jedi Survivor was kind of even, had a difficult thing to, difficult job to impress me because I'm kind of at a point in in my life right now where Star Wars is not doing it for me as much as it used to. I'm kind of having a bit of bad fatigue. That post Rise of Skywalker kind of like, "Mm, this is not great kind of. Feeling. And then Andor came along. There was also Tales of the Jedi. The Tales of the Jedi. I can't say yeah, Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Tales of the Jedi. <laughs> it's going to be difficult for this podcast. It was an anthology animated series Very that good. kind of dived into Count Dooku, who I've kind of got a lot of affection for. I haven't read some of the books about him and stuff. So going into this, it was kind of like, well, some bits I like, but like with superheroes and comics, which I've kind of also fallen away from, it's like, well, I can pick and choose what I want. And yeah. Jedi Survivor, kind of the way that it had been going it was like, this is a project that should be exciting, but I'm not feeling it. And I thought the the, the the trailers and the gameplay that had been shown prior, I was like, this is going to be a good, but not great sequel. It's kind of what I was feeling. Yeah. And then I caved in and got it because I had the FOMO. Of course <laughs> I had the FOMO. Everyone was playing it. I was like, I'll, I'll get it too on launch day. And um, I was kind of like blown away. Yeah. Like this might be in my top five, top three Star Wars games yeah. ever blown away, which... Pain, it's wild to say that because I didn't think I would have a Star Wars gaming experience as good or as like impactful as like a Knights of the Old Republic or Battlefront 2 or Republic Commando or something like that. And um, yeah, they really did hit it out of the park. And I think this reiterates Respawn's credentials as like on the, you know, at the cutting edge of like just great level design yes. and um, narrative work as well. Because Fallen Order story I did really like. I think the things that you can level against that game is that why does it have to be Cameron Monaghan as Cal Kestis in the franchise that is full of, you know, generic white dude Jedi protagonists? You know, it's kind of a bit boring that we got that guy and their excuses that they made, you know, after the game came out, trying to rationalize why it was him. Just, well, what was reported, actually, I should say, it was just, it felt really lame. Um, but Cal is well-written character and well-performed, and I was really endeared to him and 
and Merrin and everyone else. And yeah, I was, um, I just, I, I, I thought it was great. Still lots of bugs. So we'll get into. Well, we will you've get seen, into. You've seen my most hideous book. Well, we'll get into that, absolutely. Yeah. I was quite lucky. I've said this um, already on the podcast um, previously where I was just playing in quality mode. I turned data usage off. And after a few hiccups at the beginning with the cinematics, I was incredibly lucky to have a smooth experience. A lot of the late game cinematics were fine. The gameplay was smooth. But I realize I'm in the minority there because everyone else, our Scott Tilford included, seems to be having a nightmare um, experience with it. I'm kind of similar to you in the first one as well. I enjoyed Fallen Order a lot, more than I expected to at the time, um, but I wasn't, you know, thinking this was going to be one of my favorite Star Wars bits of media ever as a cumulative experience when the second game and presumably third game drops, and I was going into the second game with expectations. I was cautiously optimistic, even though I had no real reason to be. I hadn't really delved into the gameplay trailers or anything like that. I just had a feeling. I just thought, Respawn... They kind of know what they're, they're doing. They're back, baby. They're back. They make good sequels. Like Titanfall 2, amazing. Oh. They they know how to take the foundation of something and blow it out. Even with that in mind, though, I wasn't expecting of I wasn't expecting how much of a sequel this was going to be, and that sounds dumb. But what I mean by that, it feels like it's leveled up in every regard from the gameplay to the level design. Every little tweak that the game has made, in my opinion, makes it better. And it actually to me, kind of supplants the original, it would make going back to Fallen Order now mm. feel, like, tough because everything that game did, this game does better, I think, mechanically and even from a story perspective and a, a level design perspective in, in particular. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, the stuff that they do with the exploration is a yes. big thing for me. Like, I felt like having to explore in Fallen Order and going through... All those, all the pains of the, the the hollow map, which for some reason in this one feels much better and more distinct and more navigable. Um, doing it in the first one, it felt like a massive chore. Whereas here, there's that 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 great kind of element of organic exploration. Like you can still, I was burdened with terrible knowledge later <laughs> in the game, and it gives you that ability to see all the chests and, yeah. and collectibles and stuff. And I opened up the map the first time, being like, oh, I don't want to know everything I've missed, which is terrible because you realise that there is literally everything hiding, just <laughs> every single body of water in this game. You're going to look at it with with just contempt, yeah. on, like when you can't finally got that thing. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. Like combat-wise as well, really big step up. Um, then the stance gameplay is really fun, although I do think slightly perplexing decision not to give you all the stances. And I feel I like agree. if there was any game that Respawn should have looked to for inspiration in this area, it probably would have been Ghost of Sushima, which I feel like integrated the different stances, you know, so fluidly where you had different, you know, like rock, paper, scissors kind of thing where yeah. if a guy had a shield, you had to use this stance. If a guy had a spear, you had to use another. Um, and like, while it's great that you can kind of hone your own style, I think ultimately in the end they ended up sticking with just like um the the dual wheel which i thought was really fun i enjoyed being like blah, 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 getting them all um and then also the double bladed and blaster i didn't really go for the cross guard because i felt it was a bit gimmicky which might be a wow. bit of a weird word to say but i feel like i i did it to get the roadhouse achievement yes uh, which and, is great and that was it we'll yeah talk about this game sense of yes. humor but i agree i think that's one of the only missteps from a kind of combat perspective it's not giving you access to all of those stances on the fly especially because we're following like the souls formula where we have to go back to a meditation point and you can only change your stances there or at a workbench i think there were a lot of times when i was exploring corbo for instance the first time i came past the bandit camp and oh. I thought this would be great for a double edged lightsaber and I didn't have that on me so I had to die, go back and then do the combat encounter again which is fine, it's a tiny tiny gripe, I just love all of the stances so much 
But because I thought the, funnily enough, the cross guard stance mm. was really powerful and would get me through bosses with ease for my style of play, I kind of stuck with that in one of them, maybe the blaster that I would swap in and out. But I would, I, I wanted to experiment a little yeah. bit more. The yeah. double-bladed one for me was always like, I wanted it because I feel like we have so few double-bladed lightsaber Jedi, and I yeah. always make sure that Cal has an orange lightsaber as well because I'm like, we don't have that. It kind of goes with everything and it's aesthetic. The, the, the red hair, I want to have a cool orange lightsaber. Yes. It, looks, it just fits together. I enjoy the customization in this game so much, by the way. Um, you need to show me your picture of like a, like the lightsaber build you've got going on. Well, here's the thing. Maybe we'll try somehow oh. to throw some of these up on the screen right now. Yes. Send them to the beloved Joe Johnson yeah. to throw them in there. <laughs> yeah, well, well it's but funny. The bladed one I was going to say. It's, like, it's, it's always better for me on paper. I'm yeah. like... This is going to be great. There's an entire cluster of enemies in front of me right now. These guys, these bozos don't know what's <laughs> coming. They're going to get the Calcester special. And then in the time it takes me to do one little twirl, <laughs> some guy, like some B1 bozo, <laughs> has just gone, what's there? And like, just like, like attacked me and I've, it's interrupted my combo. So I always felt yeah. like even though that was specifically meant to deal with crowd control and deal with clusters of enemies, it was still easier to individually target people and take them out one by one. That's the big kind of hiccup for me that I felt. There's like an efficiency I think you get in a nice rhythm you get into with your mm. preferred style where you just can take people out so well in, in a game that is, to me isn't as challenging as the first but is still more challenging than your average action game. It kind of it, it kind of still toes that line like the original did of wanting you to indulge in the spectacular combat but also giving you a challenge where efficiency is best. So you kind of at least I didn't necessarily want to experiment all that much with the fancier, mm. slower attacks because I thought, well, I can do this in half the time and save a load of health or get through it a little bit quicker uh, from that perspective. I want to ask you about the customization, though, mm. because I, this is... You talked about Cal Kestis at the beginning, and I liked him in Fallen Order, but I kind of loved him in Jedi Survivor, not just because of the arc that he goes on, this kind of more darker, and uh, embracing the darkness sort of journey that he finds himself on, but because of the amount of autonomy that you, the player, have over him, it's kind of like the Arthur Morgan situation for me, where you've got this character with a defined arc and personality, but everyone's Cal is kind of a little bit different, no matter what their lightsaber color is, whether what their lightsaber stance is, or how they present themselves with the clothing options. I feel like that does change the feel and personality of the character, so my Cal Kestis, in my head, in his imagined personality, in his vibe, for lack of a better term, mm. is probably way different from yours and certainly other people's yeah, I've seen online. I enjoy the customization here because it definitely I feel like it helps you it helps you articulate who you perceive Cal Kestis as and on one yeah. hand you could maybe argue that that's um, it, it goes against Cal as a character that because he is so pliable and, and you know he, he, maybe he's less impactful than he should be um, but the thing that I really enjoyed about it so for, for my take on Cal I kind of had two outfits that I went for I went for like a part Clone Wars armor part caped adventurer nice. type look because I felt like the deal that I feel like the default look for Cal in this game is a bit it's a bit generic Star Wars isn't it like yeah. Star Wars loves a good just coat or waistcoat <laughs> yes. um, I was kind of wish yes. Marin had kept like the cool night sister robes in this it just feels a little bit kind of like you know it's, we've seen it before mm -hmm. um, but yeah I went for like part Clone Wars part adventurer and then when uh, Bode gives you the blaster, I went for kind of, there's a, there's a jacket in the game that looks just like the one Dash Rendar has in Shadows of the Empire. Yeah. So I stuck that on, had like this weird like sash going off the back. It's really cool. You can create your own 
appealing silhouette and you know blend colors together or whatever and definitely that was really fun some truly uh bizarre hairstyles and facial hair options in this game but i love and appreciate all of them well here's the thing i decided early on that my cal kestis was a dirt bag mm. so i gave him a mullet a mustache and he was looking like the the most untrustworthy guy in the galaxy, which I think kind of goes against his characterization a little bit, but I liked it. It made mm. me um, feel more connected to the character. And I actually started role-playing Cal as much as I could. And by that, obviously, I don't mean I have a huge impact over what happens in the story, but I was, you know, changing my outfit based on where I was. Yep, I was same. growing out Cal's hair, depending on how long I had decided he was on a certain planet for to show this passage of time. And I love it when it games get you on that level where... This isn't really necessarily a mechanic in an RPG sense, but I'm using it because I'm that invested in the world and that invested in the character and want to live in it a little bit more. Yeah, when I went to, it's after the big betrayal and you go and track Bode to the, uh, the, 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 it's the thing on the ice rock. I forgot the name of the installation, but it's the one yes. that's the, it's the Imperial Security Bureau headquarters or one of their field up locations or whatever. Going there, I like put on like a darker kind of like infiltrator style outfit that felt you know, less flamboyant. It felt more utilitarian, more practical for Cal to be doing this kind of grim revenge mission, essentially. Yeah. Like, you know, and I totally agree. It really lends itself well to that, to that aspect. And Cal's journey in the game is really satisfying. And I feel like it hits home so well for the same reasons that Fallen Order does. So Fallen Order is great because, you know, <laughs> we've had a, we've had a it's kind of like a running joke online that all the media we're dealing with at the minute is very focused on trauma. Yes. Cycles of trauma and how, you know, that manifests. So Cal in the first game, and it's a great look at dealing with, you know, taking that that more literal look at this horrific event that happens in the Star Wars timeline. How would a child soldier, you know, because that's what Cal is and it goes further into this, which I really like, how would he adjust that survivor's guilt aspect? How does he come out of that? How does he, you know, learn to live again and go forward? And with this, it felt so apt that, you know, with the relentless torrent of bad news that is constantly happening over the past decade, that Respawn crafted a story that felt, that was really questioning, like, how long can you fight for? And, you know, it's not a bad thing to find different ways to fight. Yeah. You know, you can't keep doing a set thing over and over again. It's okay to be exhausted. It's okay to live a life within the nastiness, which I thought was a great, I thought that was really good. And it felt so salient in regards to everything that's going on right now. When you kind of, you know, you've got that endless tidal wave of stuff that yeah. is constantly happening. You feel like, oh, I'm not doing enough to do this. I'm not doing enough to help. Uh, and that's, that's the game isn't telling you to sit out of that fight completely, but it is saying that, you know, it's okay to live and it's okay that, you know, maybe one day that fight will be over. And what are you going to do with your identity? It's all about Cal finding a new identity, but also, you know, even though he is fighting, it's about fighting more than than just doing it out of rage and because he yeah. has to. At the start of the game, you know, he's he's been away. He's left the Mantis and his family behind because he just wants to lash out at the Empire and do this, whereas everyone else has found their own roles, whether that is fighting them or just kind of stepping away and doing their own thing. And that's a big thing that he has to learn. I, I loved that journey. I thought that was really well done. Me too. I love that moment when you finally go to see Sia in Cordova, who obviously you're kind of estranged from, especially with Sia. You, you know, you kind of meet Cordova for the first time, but you have that split. You have the five-year gap. And Cal's kind of saying, you know, come back to the Mantis. Come on, we'll, we'll be like the old days. We'll take it take the fight to the Empire like we used to. And she's like, nah, I've got nah. this other thing that's just as important. I'm helping in this way. This is my path. This is, this is what I've committed to. Hey, path. 
Hey, very good, very good. It literally is. Um, And I like that they kind of commit to that. Each of these characters had their own distinctive personality and their own perspective on this kind of massive fight that they're all in. And I appreciated the development from part one to part two in that respect because I I loved where the characters left off initially, but I like that they gave them a little bit of friction, a little bit of development, and seeing Seer and Cordova was just, like, excellent in and of itself. Great fun. Did you catch the Qui-Gon Easter egg that they included? I don't think I did. If you speak to uh, Cordova, he's like, oh, yeah, I was close with Qui-Gon. Really? What? Respawn. Give me the little Qui-Gon goodness. (laughs) I was so happy, man. I was so blessed. Um... Yeah, no, like that. The, the character arcs in this are all great, and everyone has their own like unique journeys. And I love how Cal's story is mirrored by the Dark Jedi that we encounter. And we'll yeah. probably get we'll get more into like the dark side of things later on, I imagine, because um, I think the way the the game handles the dark side is so um, law accurate, like the right. way that it works and how it's um, it's easy. Everything becomes easier for Cal when he channels into that. Yeah, um, which I really really like. But it's the whole thing with like um, Bode and Dagon Gara you know, they're both fighting, you know, especially that they don't want to lose anything. Cal's so worried about what he might lose. Yep. Bode's willing to just become a monster to, to do that. And Dagon is the same. He wants to, you know, he's he's kind of like, you've got the glory element with Dagon and you've got the like the, the, the familial kind of like personal connection stuff that, that you know, Bode doesn't work. I love, I love what they do with both those characters. And again, I've got to toot my own on here because back in 20, <laughs> back in 2020, one at the yeah. beginning when the High Republic stuff had just come out, I was like, Jedi Fallen Order 2 should do the High Republic. And and what is the game done? It's like, I also said that it should have like a Red Dead Redemption 2 style camp. Which I guess the, the, the saloon is kind of like that and it's yeah. more than I expected. I didn't yeah, expect yeah. any kind of camp ball <laughs> home base style system. And yet it was there. It was really cool. Yeah, like you said, you know, I think so much of Star Wars is a cliche at this point. Everything rhymes, everything has a parallel, it's everything like poetry. has it's like exactly it's like poetry. <laughs> but not only with Bode and Dagon, Dagon, you've also got like see it in her journey you in said Bing. I really I like, did. I really, I really, really did. Her journey in the last game, her struggles with embracing the darkness and almost turning to the dark mm-hmm. side and what happened when she let that darkness in. Cal having these different figures in all representing the different paths that he could go down, representing his different the- fears, his the stuff that he's working through. I just I like that as a neat storytelling thing. It's so good because the bit where um, Sia is having to protect the Jedi, the Jedi Temple. Yes. Um, and she has her own sicko mode that she can activate by pressing in L3 and R3 and you go into that big kind of like, uh, it's like the, the shield mode yep. where she can protect everyone, I believe. That's what it is. Yeah. It's the big sh- and then it's, yeah. Don't want to be misremembering, but I think that is it. Um, whereas when Cal does it, it's like, you know, it, it's it's the darkness that he's yeah. being engulfed by. And I love that's such a clever way of showing where the two are on their respective journeys and how Sia finds strength from elsewhere. Um, and it's such a great way of positioning, because we all know that, that second acts in Star Wars, they're always the, the sad, dark chapters in the game. I was laughing that so many games, so many movies have said, this is our Empire Strikes yeah. Back, and now Star Wars is literally going... <laughs> this is our Empire Strikes Back, but we get to say that. Yeah, it's not exactly. cliche because what else are we going to do? And it's great because it like at the end of the game, Cal still has those demons. With the, he has not excised them from him yeah. at all. They're still there. Um, and, you know, the way that it frames it at the end is that, like, well, the answers aren't easy. It's not an easy thing for him to just be told, like, you know, to be like, hey, don't do not do that, Cal. And he'd be like, oh, sorry, guys. Yeah. I went a bit, I went a bit, kind of, mm, there. He's still battling with that. And I think the temptation even more so the next one, like he, he still feels dejected yeah. in a way. It's still kind of, he's been through the, the other end. He's lost so many friends. He's had to, he's felt betrayal. 
Um, he's seen dark reflections of himself. Uh, and he's had to be like a, a killer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Oh, that's all good. When you get those dark side hints um, about Cal towards the beginning of the game before, you know, it properly becomes the actual text. You know, I was wondering whether they would implement later on, like, actual dark side force powers into the mm. gameplay itself and whether they would make them so strong that it would be exactly what you said there. You know, they're so powerful that, you know, you kind of rely on them more and more to get through the tougher fights because that's the whole point. Like, the temptation is there. It's easier to do that rather than kind of stick to the regular Jedi way, as it were, but I love the way that they do it ultimately with just the L3 and R3 ultimate power-ups, for lack of a better term. I think it's a little bit more subtle, and it makes it so effective when in the final fight with Bode, after Kyle's being told, like, you know, you, you're going too far, come back, you don't need to do this, you have to do it in one of the, one of the QTEs to mm-hmm. get the upper hand so he doesn't kill you, and I just think that's cool, just a cool way to 
completely, you know, personify what you said there about there being like no easy answers. You can't just give someone a telling off. You can't just say, oh, you know what? The dark side sucks, actually. I'm not going to indulge in any of that stuff. It's still an impulse. So refreshing as well to have a fallen character not be redeemed. Um, That is something that, you know, we don't get nearly enough of in Star Wars. Obviously, there are Jedi that fall to the dark side and kind of embrace the darkness or whatever. But I was really, you know, kudos to Respawn for sticking with that and, and, and doing it and finishing it off in such a dark way as well. Like, he's got his child with him. Um, and at no point do they ever kind of, they never, they never question Bode's humanity. Like, he's yeah. become a monster, but he's still doing it. It doesn't excuse it, but he's doing it for the love of his daughter and because he's lost everything beforehand. Uh, and with, like you say, with Cal, he has to reach into the dark side. It's almost like the choice is robbed from him. He tries to give Bode a choice. Bode takes it away from him. Yeah. And then he has to basically commit like the most anti-Jedi thing to to do him in, but not because he wants to out of yeah. a sense of revenge, but because he just, he doesn't want this to happen anymore. It's so unnecessary. I want to talk about Bode, but we'll go yes. over this bit in particular first, because I fully agree. As soon as his daughter showed up in the flesh, I thought there's no way this guy's getting killed by mm. the heroes. There's no way he's not getting redeemed. He's going to get a, a Kylo Ren-esque redemption, whether it's deserved or not. And then they don't do that. And like you say, there's an excellent moment towards the end where, you know, he gets that choice to stop. Like They kind of plead with him to just, behave, you know, this is going to get your daughter killed, this is not helping anyone, and he says, no, he knows best, and he ends up getting shot through the chest. But Bo generally is a funny one, because all the way through, it became a running joke with me and my partner, where every time we were watching his scenes, we were like, when is this guy going to betray us? They keep saying he's, like, the best friend, so he's such a nice this. guy, and I'm excited to see what you have to say about this, but I... I'll get into it, but I thought that twist was so obvious, but it's a testament to how well-written it is that even when it arrived, I was still blown away by it. It's so funny because I didn't see it coming. Right. Our little back and forth was like, oh, when's he going to die? This guy is so cool. He's so lovely. I kind of want Cal and him to to smooch and just be the best friends (laughs) or whatever. Uh, And then it gets the bit where you're on, um, it's the Dagon-Gara boss fight. Uh, the, the third one where he's finally slain. And then you tell Bode that we're going to use it for the past. We're yeah. going to use it to save the other Jedi. Uh, and then he's like a little bit kind of like, oh, okay. And instantly there, I was like, oh, no, man. Yeah, yeah, Bode, yeah. man. I, I, I was like, <laughs> it kind of was like a case of like, oh, my God, is he, the, the wheels were instantly spinning. And I was like, oh, God, now it all makes sense because why would the Inquisitorious have been on their tail so quickly at the beginning right. of the, like, the game? Um, all sorts of convenient things began to kind of line up. Uh, and I love that because even, like you say, if it was Telegraph 4 earlier for you, then that, that's cool as well. But yeah. for me, it felt like when that moment where it's explicitly made clear, yeah. there was a moment of doubt in Bode's mind. You spend the next, however... I think it's like half an hour of the game dreading what's coming next when you yes. get to Jeddah because he's still kind of like torn up about it. By the time it happens, you're like, oh, and then that double whammy reveal that he is also a Jedi. Yep, it's like, yep. That was proper jaw-dropping stuff, man, because like I said, I was I was waiting for it the whole game, and it kind of threw me off a little bit in that fight you mentioned where I thought, okay, maybe he's just here to die. But everything I was questioning, I was like, do you even have a daughter? Is this like a cover story? You've mentioned this daughter so much that does this daughter <laughs> actually exist? They were setting him up as such a nice guy, and they have him introduced as everyone, as like Cal's new best friend, and Grease is like, you know what, bud? I wasn't sure about you, but I think you're a nice guy, 
saying I love you now. And I'm like, something's going to happen. Mm. But yeah, at that point when they get to, you know, Jeddah and he's having these doubts, he's worrying about his kid. I kind of thought, oh, is this going to be it? Are they just going to say he's kind of going to go against them now? Because he just has a kid. He's just the same character, but that's the reason. I was like, that's a little bit flimsy. Obviously not. Then you get that excellent reveal that he is a Jedi, and you have that fight with him. And it's great, because I think once Dagon dies, you're thinking, what's the third act of this game going to be? I thought that was the last mission. When yeah. I was playing through it, I was like, this is the end of the game. I can't believe Like, And I, I felt like, because I played a lot of it that, by that point, I was like, that's totally fine. This is the final mission. Yeah. I'm chill. But my partner had actually been spoiled apart beforehand. Right. And they were like, hey... I'm just saying, you might not. This might not be. <laughs> this might not be. I'm just saying. And then, of course, you know, we get to Jedi, and we have the whole thing that happens, and you know, um, old old Darth, well, Darth shows up. He's the thing because this might be shocking, considering I'm doing this podcast right now. But the story was such. It was so on the back burner for me because I was enjoying the game so much mechanically, and mm-hmm. there was genuinely about ten hours. From Ogdo the Ogdo. <laughs> oh, man, and Spawn of Ogdo. There was Ogdo. genuinely two hours fighting Ogdo and Spawn of Ogdo. That I don't want to kick my ass in yeah, Jedi really Master Mode or whatever I was playing. It. Stupid idiot frog. <laughs> stupid. God, how many eyes has he got? Who needs that many Doesn't eyes? Doesn't need that many. And he's sitting in that shop staring at me. Like, <laughs> you killed my dad. <laughs> I'm like, that, by yeah, the way. I did. <laughs> you kill his dad and he's just sat there like, I'm not going to forget this. Like Spawn a, of Ogdo will like remember a, this. the bit in Kill Bill where like yes. you still feel bad about it in 20 years' time, Spawn of Ogdo. You we, know can work it, we can work it out. <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, yeah, the story. Uh, I was so enthralled by the open world that there was about 10 hours of content of just side pissing about yeah. between meeting Dagon and then going to the next world to meet Cordover and Sia. So until we got to the point where Sia dies and Darth Vader shows up and we get those great twists, it was kind of, I was enjoying it. But Salmon it drinks with Terrigal. Oh, yes, absolutely. And then and it's just Scuba back. <laughs> Love Scuba, man. Love Scuba. And then from there, it's just back to back to back like hit and I remember you saying I think you might have tweeted it out talking mm. about like how you kept encountering some of your best favorite Star Wars gaming moments or maybe even indeed Star yeah, Wars moments yeah. generally and I was kind of always waiting for them to arrive and then they arrived and I just thought you really kicked this into the next gear and now I'm all in on this level I was already thinking that it was like a game of the year contender and then I got to that story pull and I thought yeah if it wasn't for these bugs I would crown this a 5 out of 5 right now the um Given you mentioned bugs, I do need uh, I can explain the Ravis oh, encounter yes. that I had, right? So I was so excited for this guy to show up in the game because the Gendai, I believe it's the Gendai, they, um, they, I don't know if you ever watched the uh, Gendi Tadakovsky Clone Wars cartoon Did from not. the early 2000s. It's great. Um, it's on Disney Plus if you want to check it out. Done by the guy who created Samurai Jack. It's a yeah. beautiful show. It's really well animated. Um, super stylistic. General Grievous is psychotic in that. It's <laughs> terrifying. Um, but there is a Gendai enemy in that called Dirge. Mm. I think it's Dirge or Dirk. I might be. I'm doubting myself too much, man. I'd be falling to the dark side. Um, but he was like this this really menacing bounty hunter figure, uh, and Obi Wan and Captain Fordo, who's one of the uh, shout out to Captain Fordo. He was one of the best clones. Miss him every day. <laughs> um, so they they battle him on uh, this like I think it's like the banking clan's homeworld or something. Yep. You remember them from Attack of the Clones? Like I the do. banking clan will finance this operation. <laughs> Their, their place, right? It's their gaff. Their gaff. Uh, and they're, they're fighting, and um, there's a bit where Obi-Wan impales him, and mm-hmm. you think, oh, wow, he's killed him. That's super cool. And then Dirt just goes, rrr, 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 like that, and then his massive tendrils all fell out, and yes. he's like just smothering everything. So when I heard that Agenda was going to be in Survivor, I was like, oh, boy. 
this is going to be this is going to be good. And Ravis is such a well-written character. I love what they do with their relationship between him and Dagon, especially because I've only tentatively looked at the High Republic stuff. I read the first novel, right. which I enjoyed, but for my taste was a bit too like uh you know when you read fantasy and like the law world building is the main emphasis like i enjoyed the character work so much but because it was the first entry in this new saga it spent so much time establishing all the rules and the things and it was just a little bit tedious to me but whatever i think the setting's really cool yeah but when he showed up like i loved that and the way they introduced him i always knew that he was going to be like a terrifying threat to face the one thing that i will say against him is that 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 boss fight where you do encounter him I think that needed to be more grueling, and I think they needed to have more phases of that boss fight yeah, to yeah. really emphasize what a menacing threat those aliens are because they are ridiculous. Like they can't they can't be killed by any normal means. It was kind of shocked when Cal killed him. Well, actually, no, I've not actually seen the proper cutscene where he kills him. <laughs> it's because, crazy. Because why? Because you listeners and, and viewers, uh, when I had my big cutscene with uh, with Ravis after defeating him in the boss battle, uh, first try. Oh, very good. You know, uh, I mean, all the main story boss battles are kind of easy compared to Spawn of Ogdo and, and, and the Rancor. Um, Darth Vader ain't got nothing on yeah, it. Yeah, Darth Vader. <laughs> Again, I'm getting distracted, but there's a perfect evade you can do against Darth Vader, and he goes, what? <laughs> really, really funny. But yeah, fighting Ravis, I've defeated him, and then the cutscene starts, and I was like, oh, this is looking a little bit weird. This is looking really weird. I don't like what's going on here, because as soon as Ravis got up, he didn't move. Like, his character all just kind of rotated and then his basic animation walked to the corner of the room. Mm. And then he turned around again. And then I was like, oh God, is the cutscene? Is the cutscene glitch? And they're having this really compelling dial, this really cool back and forth. And then the next thing you know, the camera's looking at him and he's, she- he's vib- vibrating a little bit like that. For people listening only, I'm shuddering and shuddering <laughs> to match the, uh, the Gendai warrior. Um, and then you have that whole thing where Cal's like going back and forth. He's like, hey, we should like, we don't have to fight. Ravis, mate, we can, you can, you don't have to fight. And Ravis is like, no, give me an honorable death. That's a good kill uh, impression. Me, Jedi. And then do it. And then you, you kill him. So what happens on mine is, uh, <laughs> it's, so, uh, I need to like include, we need to find a way of getting <laughs> the footage of this man because it's ridiculous. Cal comes at him and then as soon as the lightsaber makes contact, he starts ping ponging around the screen yeah. like, and vibrating everywhere. Um, and then he's just there, like, going everywhere. And there were two phases to this. So he's going all over the screen. I'm losing my shit. I'm getting very, very annoyed because I'm like, this is meant to be really emotional. And I can't <laughs> deal. Big moment, and big uh, big I'm, like, quietly fuming because I'm like, this is so good. But, oh, my God, it's so funny. And then uh, the camera, when he's walking away and he got the dramatic music playing and you just see this corpse bouncing all over <laughs> the screen. I was, um, it was beautiful. Oh, it glitched through time and space. Man, it was, uh, I couldn't believe it. I love that watching that clip because it just like escalates in severity. <laughs> it's worse it worse. sounds a, it like starts and you're like, okay, this is quite bad. Maybe it's you know fine. Maybe it'll sort itself out. It doesn't. It just gets worse. And then it's like, okay, thank you for ruining one of the best biggest moments in the game. The rendered cutscenes in this game are beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Like they they look. I couldn't believe the one where Seer dies. Yeah. And Cal's holding her, and it's like your Cal holding her. It's like that is so like well rendered. I yeah. couldn't believe it. So 
Just one one wrinkle, uh, one one wrinkle. <laughs> in it, in annoyingly, I think a lot of people are going to have had that issue. Like I would have, I keep saying, you know, I'd have been so furious if I got to the Darth Vader fight or the board reveal or even the final Dagon fight. In it, if it's if that glitched out, I might just have quit video games forever. I don't know if I could come back from it. You had your whole thing where it was like you have gone too far into the game, you big bozo. Turn this around. Is it. This is this is this is my humble humble brag because I accidentally <laughs> sequence broke the game by getting an... Hacked uh, it. Uh, hacked it. <laughs> I, I did a jump that I shouldn't have done because I realized that if I did force pull at the exact moment when I was near the ledge, it would give me that little bit extra and I would grab onto it. So I managed to do a puzzle that you're not supposed to do until you get the air dash mm. and I unlocked something and the game literally just said, you've broken the game. <laughs> you broke me. Yeah, I love it. But it said, you've broken the game, but you can continue if you want. Just things will probably be broken even more. And I thought, well, why? No. So I lost about 30 minutes of progress there. It is a shame because otherwise the game is so recommendable and so good. But I know now when it comes to game of the year season, there's going to be so many caveats and so many asterisks uh, surrounding it because justifiably as well because of its botched um, launch. It's a shame because like you said at the start, like Fallen Order had very similar issues. And it's weird to me because this has been less buggy and experienced to me than Fallen Order. With Fallen Order, I had like enemies clipping through like floors. I had uh, unkillable enemies. I had stuff that stymied progress for like, like you say, up to like half an hour, which was really frustrating. And Survivor, the only, like, I had a few visual glitches. There was one where I was uh, on the way to, to to face, is it, like, Jeff the radar technician or something? Oh, it's, uh, what, the, it's the door technician. Yeah, Rick the door technician. Rick. That's it. On my way to face Rick. Call <laughs> <laughs> me, there's a Rick in Star Wars, man. On my face, th- on my way to face Rick, you had those, um, the security droids in the hangar. Yeah. Um, and uh, the the second time I, because I died the first attempt, because those, uh, the, the K2 security droids, they're okay to deal with. Then you have the other the sentry droids, which are really hard. But anyway, I went to fight them, and the second time, they uh, they just completely glitched. So they were just moving mannequins, and mm. they were like, they wouldn't die. I don't like um, this. And it was just, uh, yeah, so, but not as bad as Fallen Order. And, you, like, it's, right. and it's wild to me, because I feel like when Fallen Order came out, the conversation about bugs wasn't as pronounced as what we've gotten with Survivor, even though I yeah. think, well, for me, again, it's weird how it varies from like console to console and experience to experience. That's it, because I think the PC initially was kind of singled out as an anomaly, like the PC performance was atrocious across the board, and then it was revealed that, you know, like the next-gen systems, if you put it on performance mode, you're going to have a bad time, but if you play it on certain options, at least it can alleviate a lot of that Usage stuff. Which sharing tip was uh, that was, was oh, a lifesaver. That literally like, like saved my cutscenes. You know, literally had no <laughs> problems with the cutscenes after that. But, you know, Scott was talking about it and we mentioned it in the podcast um, on Monday that uh, <laughs> he's, not having a good time. he's not having a good time. And you know what? I can tell him all I want to play it on quality mode, but why should he? He bought the game, <laughs> spent 70 quid on it. They give you the performance mode option. It's like, I totally get why, you know, People are really annoyed by it. Go, jumping around a little bit, I want to, before we kind of wrap up, I suppose, I'll start to wrap up. What did you think of the Darth Vader fight in, in particular? Because I know a lot of people had issues with his appearance in Fallen Order and said that it was maybe a little bit unnecessary. Here, I think, I never agreed with that, but I can see why people would say that because the story may not necessarily need him. Here, I think they weave him in a bit more naturally and show him as this force, force of nature showing up. And I like that it's Seer who fights him as, you know, 
re-embracing her Jedi Master powers and she feels so powerful when you play as her that it does feel like this clash of the titans. Yeah, the use of Vader here is really good. Like, five five BB... Is it five BB? I forget what year Kenobi takes place, but anyway, this is the year of, of Vader getting his, his ass wrecked. Yes. Like, he, he comes away at even more wheezing wreck in this one than he does in, like, uh, in Kenobi. Like, the, the, he's, it's the bad year. It's the year of L's for Darth Vader, man. <laughs> Um, I love that fight sequence. I thought it was yeah. great. Like, um, I didn't expect it. I jokingly made a comment, like, the level before. I was like, wouldn't it be really funny if Darth Vader came in and killed Dagon? I thought they were setting up a Vader-Dagon confrontation. That'd because when cool. the Empire show up on uh, Kobo, I was like, um, yeah. well, maybe, maybe it's because uh, Vader is aware that there is a new Jedi and... Historically, in Star Wars, when they've introduced a new Force user to contend with, like in the Clone Wars, they brought back Maul and um, gave him a brother called Savage Opress. And obviously, there was a Savage Ventress as well. It was Dooku's apprentice. Both those times, Palpatine comes in and basically eliminates the threat. Well, with Ventress, Dooku has to basically... He betrays her, and right. then that leads to a whole other thing, and then she eventually dies. Um, but with uh, more, Palpatine comes in and basically, you know, takes him out of the picture for a while. Mm. Um, and then, uh, oh, God, I forgot what I was going to say. But basically, it's kind of like a running theme that they come in and eliminate the thing. And yeah. I thought that with, uh, with, <laughs> with this, it would make sense for maybe Palpatine or Vader to have sensed, hey, there's a kind of like a, there's some nonsense occurring on Kobo. Yeah. Why would you, do you want to like go and check it out? So, but it makes sense for him to go and confront Seer, and I like that because it's the whole idea of, like, Vader is such a petty, petty guy. He's yes. like, you came into my home? <laughs> you came into my home and, like, killed my guys and made me kill my, kill one of my guys? Like, that dude has been get away with that? in his tank thinking about that for five years. Such a petty, <laughs> petty man. Like, just move on, mate. I respect it. The guy loves the drama. He loves the theater. He, he loves, loves a good theater. entrance. But when I pulled off a perfect evade and I heard Vader go, what? That was a Sorry, suitably uh, difficult fight as well. Like probably the dif- the most difficult I difficulty I had outside of Ogdo. Here we go. So annoying. And then they did it the first attempt, right? Yeah. You know what I forgot I could do? Go Heal. <laughs> That's pretty difficult. Like it was ridiculous. I was like, I did it, and I, I forgot that I could heal. Yeah. And like I just I got to a point in the fight where I got to like the third and final phase. Yeah. Um, and I was about to get him. And then he pulled off, I think it's like not the, the force choke move on yeah, you or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just, it just absolutely rinsed me. And then I was, because um, I, I was recording the footage for my partner who was out of the room at the time because like trying to like save it so they could experience it. Of course. Um, and uh, it was so annoying because it took me like, on the, it took me three more attempts after that. And I was like, God damn it, man. If I, <laughs> if I just remember that I could heal. It's because I didn't have BD around with me. And also the noise that BD1 makes when he sees that Darth Vader's coming back. It's great. Like, my yeah. poor little guy. Oh, BD's great at this, by the poor way. So dude. expressive. I love the bit where he like starts scanning Merrin at some point. Just loves, <laughs> dude's got a problem. He just loves to scan. He just loves to scan everything. Don't blame him. We encourage him all the way throughout the game. Otherwise, before we wrap up you and Patterson, is there anything yeah. we've missed that you desperately want to talk about? Um, uh, story-wise, gameplay-wise, uh, Ogdo-Bogdo-wise. <laughs> God, I hate that guy, man. <laughs> that and then going into the cant- into the little store and then realizing that there was, there was two of the guys just turned around and I was like, nah, I, I'd stayed up past my bedtime fighting yeah. the spawn of Ogdo and like I said, it took me an hour to beat that guy. So when I went to, you know, spend the tokens and realized there was another fight at like 2 a.m., I just thought, not today. No, no I don't no. think I will. Um, yeah, no, just to conclude, I think Jedi Survive is a great game. Uh, really surpassed my expectations and kind of rejuvenated, uh, however briefly it may be, my kind of enthusiasm for Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great example of what, you know, 
people, what, the kind of stories people can tell in that kind of sort of ground. And I think it's an example of where, you know, when, when the Lucasfilm story process really comes together, what, what can be achieved. Yeah. Um, it's it's a, it's an example of what other stories that are being made at the minute should kind of really look to and um yeah i'm looking forward to seeing what respawn do because they've got they've got another one of these coming out obviously it's, it's got to be a trilogy at least yeah it has to be and then i they've got that first person shooter in the works as well yeah. which i heard might be kind of jedi dark forces-esque inspired i'd take um, it um so yeah i'm excited to see that i'm i'm in the mood for less jedi stuff in my mm. star wars and i think um I think Respawn, they're, they're, yeah, no, really, just, again, just really surpassed my expectations. I was really, really chuffed with how it all turned out. I'd agree. I would echo almost everything that you said there. For me, this is like an easy game of the year contender. I'd Once the bugs are fixed, I'll recommend it to everyone. I think it's a template of what a sequel should be. And you're going to hear me say this over and over again, but I want Spider-Man 2 to be the Jedi survivor of Spider-Man 1's Fallen Order. I want to see this level of um, leap in terms of the quality. I think it's great. Love the story. Love the characters. Very excited to see what Respawn do next. He's just going from strength to strength. But let me know what you guys think. Message us on Twitter. Let us know in the comments if you're watching the video version of this. And no doubt we will chat your ear off about Jedi Survivor from now until the Game of the Year discussions in December. But for now, this has been the What Culture Game Podcast. I've been Josh, joined by you in person. Goodbye. And we'll see you later on. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Gotta get the mask going there. <laughs>Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.